Thank you so much for listening to Sand Hills Sermons. We are so thankful for each of you who have continued listening and listening back to our sermons that go back uh, 12, 13 years almost. We haven't been posting our sermons recently. That is something that we'll be changing very soon. We've actually been focused on another podcast project simply called The Sand Hills Podcast. You can find it here on Podbean or on Spotify or on your Amazon podcasts. We would love for you to tune into that as well as we investigate long-form interviews on topics such as how should Christians engage the LGBTQ plus community? How do we engage police brutality? How do we talk about what it means to focus on the family? How do we tell our children about adolescence? Those kinds of questions, which are often so hard to navigate from the pulpit, are ones that we want to take the time to and have conversations about. We hope that you'll join us on the Sand Hills podcast and listen to our most recent episode called Am I Living or Existing? which investigates the question of how do we determine how Scripture influences what life to the fullest actually means when Jesus says that. We hope you'll check it out. Enjoy the sermon. Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. It's pretty easy for us to be enticed with new. Like a new car. A new home. This is cute. A new job. A new trend. A new look. A new you. Nope. And maybe that's not a bad thing because our creator seems to be all about new. Like a new promise, a new command, new life, new mercies, and even a new year. God not only loves new, but promises to make all things new. And we are invited into the sacred work generosity. So I guess the question is, so what's new with you? Happy New Year. (laughs) It's good to see you this morning. I'm just always impressed on New Year's Day who can make it to church. And uh, early service was more impressive. And so for those who are online today, I get it. I get it. So um, yesterday, a big day for a lot of us, I suppose. Maybe not. I don't know what you do on your New Year's Eve. Uh, For the first time in a long time, I actually got to watch football almost all day. And it was... It was wonderful. So um, watching one of the games uh, of the Final Four uh, last night, so I was watching the TCU, uh, what's their mascot again? Isn't that weird? Does that <laughs> The Horned Frogs. Uh, yeah, so they're playing Michigan. Uh, and that was, it was, a I thought, a fun game. I didn't care about either team, to be fair. So it makes the game so much more enjoyable when you just watch football. And, um, and then, you know, Michigan uh, failed at the end, and it was great. TCU's uh, going on this fine. But uh, it was funny because my wife, who's here this morning and beautiful, I love you very much. Um, um, as she's sitting there on the couch next to me after the game ends, she's like, Whew, I am so done with football. I am glad it is over. I was like, uh, the game I really want to watch is just about to start. And uh, 
So, you know, three, four hours later. Uh, yeah, it was just one of those things. So last night, uh, I got to watch the, the final game, of course, that took us all the way to uh, celebrating the new year. Uh, we got to watch Georgia play Ohio State. Uh, any Georgia fans here today? All right. Thank you. Glad you came, Jared. Um, so, one, two, George, uh, Georgia fans. Uh, see, and again, uh, not being fully vested, although I was kind of pulling for Georgia by the end of it. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, South Carolina fans don't have much to pull for. Uh, Clemson fans don't have much to pull for. I mean, our season's over. Season's over. Go Georgia. You know what I'm saying? So, anyway, that was just, it was just kind of fun for me last night. So, watching this, ringing the new year. Uh, who made it all the way to midnight? Anybody make it all the way to midnight? All right. Who went to bed right after midnight? Anybody? This? That's my people right there. Yeah, so, right, you know, I had to work today. So, um, this is fun. Okay, so now it's, it's New Year's. It's New Year's Day, and stepping into New Year's, uh, people very famously make these things coming into New Year's. They are called New Year's... Yes. All right. Who here's making some New Year's resolutions? Anybody? All right. Maybe a couple of y'all. All right. By the time I'm done, maybe a lot more of us. All right. Because here's the thing I always wrestle with. Are, are resolutions biblical or unbiblical? Meaning that, that if I determine that I'm going to do something or change something, is that biblical or unbiblical? And I would say this. I think it can be very biblical. But it depends on how you live it out. So we'll unpack that as we go forward today. Now, there are... Many New Year's resolutions people make. Typically, they fall into several categories. Uh, but let me just ask you this. What is the number one resolution people tend to make? All right. Physical fitness. You're going you're gonna to lose weight. You're going to eat better. That's why the gyms offer all these memberships. They want you to sign up, get committed for a full year, you know, knowing you'll use it a couple times. That's, what they, that's their goal. Uh, and so they're going to do that. All right. So that's one. What's the, what's the second resolution people tend to make? Just take a guess. Anybody? Uh, money. It's money is the second one. Yeah, so it's something around money. It'll be uh, save more, spend less, get on a budget, invest more money, um, do something with my career. Uh, you know, that kind of, it'll all be combined there. So money's the third. Now, the third one, third one's a little bit harder, but maybe you can get it. So what's, what's another resolution you would think somebody might make? Okay, so I love, I love to hear the spiritual ones because they are not at all on the list. They don't even make top 100, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, we're not talking church. We're talking na nation. So uh, the next one, the next one is uh, something to do with relationships. Uh, so that is to spend more time with, you know, insert friend, family, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to make more time for people. So there's a relationship thing. So physical fitness, money, and relationships. Those are the categories in which they tend to fall. And so as we think through that, as we're going forward to this, um, I, I would say this. Uh, I, I would love to have these things. I want, I want things to be different. Uh, if only we could have peace without a battle, financial blessing without effort, physical fitness without sacrifice, spiritual maturity without cost, love without pain, and joy without sadness. If only we could get all of those things, it would be awesome. Uh, but none of that is real. And this is why resolutions are so hard. We all love the idea of the resolution to be a new and better version of me. We all hate the idea of sacrifice. And if you can't combine those two, you will never succeed in your resolution. And so it is hard. So uh, today's message we're titling uh, New Year, New You. Uh, actually, to be fair, I'm calling it New Year, New You. Uh, because it is a new year, it is the same old you. <laughs> and so we already may have a problem stepping into our resolutions. The same person that didn't fulfill them this year may not be able to fulfill them in the coming year. So that's, that's a problem. And uh, we'll, we'll dig into that as we go forward. But um, uh, people say this often. They say, you know, I wish I had more self-control. I wish I was more loving. I wish I had more peace in my life. I wish I was more kind. I wish I was more faithful uh, in my walk with the Lord. So all these wishes that precede the resolutions. So because you wish these things... Now, therefore, I resolve to. So that's, that's what feeds these things. 
things. But let me take you to a passage of Scripture. So this is Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. All right, so I don't know if you picked up on this, but all the resolutions we tend to make, all the things we long for, they are all wrapped up in Galatians 5, through 23. It may not say specifically, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna spend more time, but all of the root of all those things is right there in Galatians 5, through 23. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And so I would say this then, when you make a resolution, it's because you feel you have a deficiency. The deficiencies that we feel are all spiritual at their core. They're all spiritual. So the reason I think as a culture we struggle to reach our resolutions is because they leave the spirit out of it. But we have to step back into a biblical mindset that does have an appropriate way that we live out our lives. Now, I love verses of scripture and I love grabbing them and applying them to our life, but hopefully one thing we remember is you don't just grab scriptures and apply them to your life unless you understand first the context. And so let us do this. Let us pause. Let's dig into the word. So if you got your Bibles handy, let's go to Galatians 5. Let us step into the argument that Paul's in the middle of. Let's find out who he's speaking to, why he's saying it, uh, what he expects from from them, and then once we understand all those things, let's talk about whether or not we can apply those to a 21st century context, which we can. We just have to get there the, the right way. And so let's do this. So uh, the Apostle Paul, let's talk about him. The Apostle Paul, radically transformed by Christ, he is going around to cities and countries and he is proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Uh, For by grace you can be saved through faith. That's what he's preaching. He's preaching uh, Jesus lived, he died for us, resurrected from the dead, paid the price. This is this is his message. The problem though is he's he's kind on one dude. He's got some other guys he's traveling with, but he goes into the town. He, he establishes a church. He teaches, and then he leaves because he's a church planter. He just keeps going on and on. As soon as he leaves town, another group of people come in behind him, and this is their message. Paul said, Jesus only. Our message is Jesus and. So yeah, it's great. Uh, Jesus died for you. It's wonderful. If you really want to be right with God, you also have to be a Jew. Which means men, you need to be circumcised. And all people, men and women, you have to follow the law of God. That's how that works. And so you have to submit yourself to the Jewish regimen of the law of God, which is all the sacrifices and obedience and you know, all the stuff that's right. Like you just gotta do a book. All right, so this is what Paul is addressing. Paul finds out about this. He is irate about what's going on. And so then he writes a letter back. And when he writes this letter back, he addresses this directly. Uh, This is what's going on. So uh, let's go now to Galatians chapter five. And we're gonna pick up kind of mid-argument, but we'll start in verse seven. So Galatians five, verse seven, I'll read through verse 12. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. And the one who is troubling you uh, will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Uh, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. And I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. 
All right, so we'll come, we'll come back to that. Uh, let's go to verse 7. So verse 7, you were running well. I love this idea. He starts off like, guys, you were doing so good. I came through, I preached Christ. I talked about putting your faith in him, believing in Jesus. And you were like, amen, we have been delivered from sin. God loves us. We're following now the Lord. And then he leaves, and somebody else comes in. And they're like, Jesus and. Now you have to work real hard to make sure you maintain your salvation with God. And he is not pleased with you. He's constantly disappointed. You need to do more and work harder. All right, listen. That is how we live our lives. Right? If I tell you, if I were to stand up here every week and tell you, you're not doing enough to please God, you're not doing un- enough to please God, would I be right? Yes and no. Here's the thing. You can never do enough to please God. His bar is up here. You're human. You'll never reach that. And so, but I would say this, it makes so much sense to us. Ever since we were young, we've worked hard to please our parents. We're hard to please our teachers. We've hard to please our bosses. We're hard to please uh, our society, our friends, our neighbors. Like, we work hard to do all these things. So if I tell you, God expects you to work harder, that's a message that works. And so when he's beginning to talk about this, you were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, he knows it's a particular uh, group of people, but I would say this too. It's also Satan. Uh, but Satan is the one who's carrying this message through, and he wants us to believe it. And the reason he wants us to believe it, because here's what's weird about this. If you say, well, wait, if I really get caught up in trying to work harder, do more for God, I wouldn't think Satan would want that from me. And I would say, oh, yes, he would. He would love it, because it will keep you constantly in defeat, and you will never embrace the Christian liberty and freedom offered you in Jesus. You will, you will yoke yourself in the chains of slavery to obedience to rules. And listen, there are churches today that they're caught up in it. They are. And that's when he says a little leaven leavens the whole thing. He's talking about yeast. You know, if you want to make bread, you put this yeast in there. The yeast multiplies. It takes over. You know, like it goes more and more and more. He's like, you get a little bit of this works-based righteousness. You know, people trying to earn their salvation. You put a little bit of that out, people will just consume it. It will it'll feed itself because it makes logical sense to us. And the gospel, by nature, is illogical. I mean, the, the, the son of God giving himself for us, that's illogical. It makes no sense. So this whole thing is weird. In fact, he picks up on that. So he's talking about a little leaven. Uh, it says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view than mine. Saying, guys, at the end of the day, please believe what I am saying to you. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, and what he says by that is he says, if I'm telling you you have to submit to the law, then why are people coming and attacking me and saying what I'm saying is wrong? I'm not saying that at all. Why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. All right, now I love, I love the idea of the offense of the cross. Let's talk about that for a second. The cross is offensive. The cross is offensive, and you and I need to be humiliated. All right, so I, want you to, I just want you to ponder a little bit of like, that makes no sense to me for a second. I. The cross is offensive. We need to be humiliated. Here's what I mean by that. The cross is offensive because it means I can't contribute to my own salvation. There are people that won't follow the Lord because they can't contribute to their own salvation. And they'll say things like this, and I've heard it over the years a number of times. I've worked my whole life to be a good person. And if that's not good enough for God, then I don't know what is. Here's the thing. It's not good enough for God. It is not good enough for God. Uh, we can unpack that in numerous ways, but the short of it is it's just not good enough for God. The cross is offensive because it puts everything in God's hands, nothing in mine, which means then in that sense, I have been biblically defined, humiliated. You know what humiliation is? Humiliation is, and you know you've experienced it. People talk down to you, put you down, or they say something just sharp and it cuts you right here. Humiliation is when somebody rises above you and you're in a lower position, they're in a higher position. Now, we hate it when people do that to us, but that's exactly what God does to us. I'm here, you're here. As soon as we understand this with each other, we're good, 
right? When you realize you can't contribute, you can't rescue yourself, there's nothing you can do. It is by grace, through faith, that somebody comes into a relationship with me. I have done all the work. You either accept it or you walk. That's how that works. And so in that sense then, we need to be biblically humiliated. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know what's great about that? One thing is, none of us is better before God than the other. You don't ever have to be jealous of the person sitting beside you. I don't care if they read their Bible every morning, pray for four hours a day. And you look at them and go, oh, they're closer to God than I. Nope. No, no, no. Child of God, just like you. Right? Doesn't work that way. The kingdom doesn't work that way. It doesn't make sense. And so this is what he's trying to unpack for us. So now, you might think, well, we started this whole thing off talking about resolutions. Now you're all way into works and grace and all. Like, this, no, it connects. It, it directly connects. Before we're done here, I'm going to tell you, it directly connects. We want real lasting change. We're wired for it. Uh, but it comes in a way maybe we don't expect. So, um, and I, let's say this too. The, the problems we're trying to correct, the liberties we're trying to correct, and it can be anything. You know, like, I need to stop doing this. I need to start doing this. They're all, like I said, spiritual in nature, which means then we have been indulging, probably some of us, in sinful liberties. They won't condemn us to hell, but they do hinder our walk with God. And so for that reason, we do need to address these, and we need help. Let me tell you one of the greatest things God has given us to help us, that is the people around us. You, you are so much better off if you try to work on some godly change with people around you. You need somebody in your life. But here's what I do know about us as people and as Americans. We hate to be challenged. We hate to be rebuked. We hate to be held accountable. We don't mind doing it to other people. Just check social media. Everybody out there is their own righteous world, you know, and anybody they want to condemn, they just shoot the arrows, right? But if somebody returns fire, no. No, you don't challenge me. And if you do it in a spiritual nature, hey, listen, my walk with God is between me and God, not between me and you. And I'd say, well, you haven't read the Bible, but yeah, okay, cool. Um, that's not how that works. We, we are designed to be held accountable by the people around us. And uh, by the way, if you want some free accountability, just get married. Um, <laughs> that is God's design for somebody helping figure out how you're messed up, right? And so, uh, and I don't mean that necessarily, I mean, it's comical, but it's not necessarily in a bad way. It's really helpful to have somebody reveal your flaws to you, and you can't escape them. Like, you know, you're laying in bed looking at them, like, you know, and the most you can do is just turn over, you know, but they're like, they're right there. So, you know, you're living with this thing. It's good. It's good for you. All right. Um, so we need help. But the, the, one of the struggles in all of this is this thing that the Bible calls the flesh. And Paul's going to dig into that here in a second. But let's talk about the flesh for a moment. When we talk about the flesh from a biblical perspective, what we're talking about is the residue of original sin that is still with you, right? When you become a Christian, you don't stop being tempted. When you become a Christian, you don't stop sinning right? What, what, why am I doing this then? If, if I am claiming redemption in Christ, if I'm claiming the fullness of the Spirit who empowers me to do and to be all that God's called me to be, why then do I still choose sin? Why then do I still do the things, long for the things that are contrary to me? And here's why. Because the residue of the flesh does not leave your life. It has been crucified. It's been nailed to the cross, but it still has a voice. It still speaks to you. This is the way I would phrase it, and I phrase it to my kids when they were growing up. I would talk about this. Like sin is like a monster. It's a little monster. If you feed it, it grows. And if you feed it too much, it grows to the point where it can consume you. If you starve it, it doesn't go away, but it keeps it small. All right, so the, the idea is we don't feed sin. We starve sin, but it never takes it away. That's the idea of the flesh. That's what it's all about. Now, Paul's gonna talk about that. Go with me now to verses 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. 
For these are opposed to teach each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. All right, so let's, let's talk about this just a little bit. So walk by the Spirit in the sense of this. It, it, so when you're driving your car and you come to a yield sign, hopefully you know that that means that I look to see if anybody's coming because if anybody is coming, they have the right of way. I have to yield. All right, this is great. This is exactly what we're supposed to do with the Spirit of God. Like when we come to these decisions in our life, there's a yield sign. And the yield sign says this, you let the Spirit come by first and then you follow after. That's how that works. So the next time you come to a yield sign, just say amen, right? Because this is what this is to remind us of, that, that he gets first uh, will and then we follow along behind him. Before we go forward, let me talk about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the person of God who indwells the believer, all right, this is really important that you get this. The, the, the Holy Spirit is not some invisible force, like Star Wars kind of thing. The, the, he, he is a he, he's a person. We don't call the Holy Spirit it. So the Holy Spirit is the person of God who indwells us. And this person of God who indwells us uh, in, informs us and, and sharpens our conscience. And he, he gives us good, appropriate biblical guilt when we need it and motivation when we need it. And if you're like, I want to be more in tune with the voice of the Spirit, that's great. There's one way to do that. You study the Word of God. Because the word of God is what the spirit uses to speak to our heart, our soul, our mind. He brings it back to our memory. He, he, he helps us to focus on application of it. That's what we need to do. So immerse yourself in the scripture. You will very quickly begin to distinguish the voice of the spirit working in your life. The thing about the spirit of God is this. He has the power to enable us as Christians to live the life that we are incapable of living on our own. So if I were to say to you, how are you doing in your battles with, and insert your struggle here, how are you doing with your battles with self or lust or gossip or you just, whatever it is, how are you doing with these things? And you say, I'm struggling, I don't know how, and some people have what others have called besetting sins. I've been battling this for a decade. I've been battling this forever. I can't get rid of this thing. Okay, yeah, that's the problem. You can't. The person of God who indwells you in the form of the Holy Spirit has all the power of the universe at his fingertips. And he can empower you to overcome the things you cannot do when you walk in the flesh. And so this is what scripture calls us back to, is to submit then to what the Spirit of God wants to do inside of us. But I love this phrasing he uses. Uh, so we're going here, and we're going to verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Here's what's really interesting about this, and Paul gets it. You want to do two things at the same time, almost all the time. So if you walk in sin, if you indulge yourself in sin, while you're doing that as a believer, you feel guilty. You feel remorseful. You actually don't even like what you're doing, even though you like what you're doing. And there's this little voice in, in your head. It's like, why are you doing this? You know, you shouldn't be doing this. This displeases God. You should choose otherwise. You need So this, it's this haunting guilt <laughs> feeling, this, this conviction of the spirit that comes to you. But here's the thing. If you're walking in faithfulness, and you're doing the things of God. There's this other voice. Why aren't you doing the things you want to do? You know you don't feel this. You should say what you want to say. Everybody else does. You've, you have freedom to do this. You're already forgiven in Christ. It is time to please yourself a little bit. There's nothing wrong with, and it's just this, this, it's the flesh voice just calling you to indulge yourself and eventually your sinful behavior. But here's the thing. Both voices are going to be in your head the rest of your life if you're a Christian. There's nothing you can do about it. But you're going to feed one of them. And whichever one you feed is going to be the life that you're going to live. And so we have to be careful as we think through how we're going to live this out. But both of those are part of how we're processing uh, walking with the Lord or walking in our own flesh. So now he's going to talk, Paul's going to talk about the fruit of the flesh. We have the fruit of the spirit. You hear about that all the time. There's a fruit of the flesh. And the fruit of the flesh he identifies in uh, starting in verse 19. This is what he says. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, 
idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And which I love, he's just given this, this huge list, and he goes, and that's just a part of what's out there. There's all sorts of ways that you can live in the flesh and walk away from the Lord. There's all sorts of ways that you can do this. But he, but he says this afterwards, which is really important, I think. Uh, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now, hold on a second. He is writing to believers. He's writing, this isn't to people outside the church. He's writing to people inside the church. And he just gave this whole list of things saying, don't do these things. So it is very much his anticipation that Christians can choose to participate in these things, though they've been delivered from them. And what that is, is that's indulging the flesh. And Paul's saying, you don't do that. You don't indulge the flesh. Now, is he saying then if we choose these things that we can be condemned and cast away from the presence of God? No, that is not consistent with anything Paul has taught, nor is it consistent with his message. He knows it is by grace through faith, but he also knows that as Christians, we can choose to walk in the way of the world, and that's why he offers the warning. But when he says those who do these things don't inherit the kingdom of God, those are outworkings of a taproot kind of thing, and that taproot kind of thing is people apart from the Lord. They naturally do the things opposed to the Lord. And so he's saying this, you've been delivered from that kind of lifestyle, so don't choose it. These people, they're stuck in it. They're, they're bound to it. You were bound in it, pre-Christ. Now you're free from it. Why are you choosing that? Don't choose that. Those people head to destruction. Don't stand in line with them. Not that you're headed for destruction if you're truly in Christ, but we don't choose the same kind of things they choose. That's the warning that he's given us there. So we choose a different way. We're gonna live by a different thing. We go forward a little bit, and I love this too. So he says, uh, uh, here's the fruit now of the Spirit. Now, we got the fruit of the flesh. No good. Let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what is produced by yielding to the Spirit. Here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. All right, so we have, this, we have this fruit of the Spirit. He says, against such things, there's no law. You might think, well, sure, there's no federal law against us. Like, no, he's talking about the law of God. Like, you know, God, even God isn't opposed to these things. This is beautiful in his eyes. We walk in the Spirit, and these things are naturally produced by uh, a person who walks with the Lord. So these are the things that he wants from us. And then I would say this. So you, you read this, and now you're thinking, okay, uh, if I, even if I accept all these things, I still have all these problems in my life. I still have a bunch of mess in my life. How do I clean that up? All right, well, I don't want you to miss something that he talked about through here. Now, we didn't read all of Galatians 5, so I understand. There's some things we didn't cover. I'm going to sum up for you things you would have heard if you had read the entire passage. Let me just give you some things you would have heard. We have hope through the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. And finally, by the time we get to Galatians 5.25, he, he gives it the, most, the best definition you can have. Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, hold on. I, I, if we live with it, so he's saying there's two choices here. Like, if you live in the Spirit, those, that's anybody who's in Christ. So you automatically live by the Spirit. If that's true, then therefore, let us also keep in step. There's a choice. Let us also keep in step. When it comes to following the Spirit, we have a choice. And I love what's used here, this keep in step with the Spirit. I think for me that just sums it up. Keep in step with the Spirit. So we have an elementary school that meets here at this, uh, in this building during the week, uh, Ben Lippin Elementary School. And uh, every day I'm reminded of why I am not an elementary teacher. It's, uh, I see it every day, it just reminds me. And, um, and the elementary kids are kind of fun in a sense. Um, they, the teachers do these things with them. And you know, trying to keep order in a classroom 
I, I, what a nightmare. I, I'm so glad. Anybody that's a teacher, God bless you. That's a calling. Uh, so um, these people that are out there, they're doing, but they, a lot of times they'll line the kids up. And it'll be like, all right, everybody, uh, follow the leader. We're going to the drinking fountain. Follow the leader. We're going to the playground. Follow the leader. You know, so there's like always somebody in front, and the kids all get in line, and they kind of follow along behind them. I mean, now it's not great. There's not a lot of order there, but they do follow. All right, so that's something there. And I was like, okay, that's kind of the idea. But then I thought, well, what would be a grown-up version of that? And I was like, oh, the army. You know, any, any military, you're like you, when they say follow, you do what you're supposed to, like they don't just follow, they follow lockstep, right? They, they practice this, they rehearse this, they get it down so everybody marches to the same rhythm. That's what they do, right? And I was like, okay, now that, that's a biblical picture. And the idea is this, the Holy Spirit of God is like, follow me, walk with me. And as he starts walking, you literally, you just put your steps where his steps are and you walk in order behind him. That is what it means to walk with the spirit. And so Paul says this, if you want to live this life, this, this mysterious life that you're struggling with, that you can't figure, you just have to walk with the spirit. Just follow him. Just go where he goes. You'll end up exactly where you want to be. And the word used here is, is very much just follow in line. Uh, put your feet where his feet were. So this choice, this idea that we've got to choose to follow the Lord's leading means then that we can resist it. But if we can resist it, we can also choose it. And so if we choose it, what does that mean? And I would say this. Now the Christian faith gets practical. Now over the years, I've heard people say things like this. You know, the problem with Christianity is it's not practical. Like it's just, it's just, you guys live in this kind of mental, spiritual realm, but it never kind of works its way out to be beneficial to humanity. And I'd say one of two things. One, uh, you've never read scripture, and two, you've never studied history. Um, because Christians change the world, right? <laughs> They're like, it's just what we do. We help people, we bless people, we rescue people. It's like what we do. It's like what God did for us, and we mirror that on earth. And so I think our faith is incredibly practical. And I would even say this. If somebody were to say, well, I'm making these resolutions, I would say, stop. If you don't do it God's way, you're not going to be able to do it at all. I mean, some, some by pushing through will achieve some things. But, but for the most part, if you don't make it a spiritual thing, you're going to fail. And so here's, here's one of my tips as, as we're going to move into this. I want to make this legitimately practical. Let's talk about tips for lasting change, all right? If your goals are about being a spirit-led child of God and not about some form of self-worship or uh, narcissistic uh, ideals that you're pursuing, you're more likely to be successful. So if you understand that the things you're longing to change are spiritual in nature, you have a better shot of achieving your goals because you'll realize, okay, this is about what the Lord is doing, not just me. So here, here's how you kind of know the difference between self-worship and if it's of the Lord. So let, let's talk about this. Uh, one of the biggest ones, physical fitness. Now, occasionally on social media, People will post, and probably some of you, uh, they'll do a before and after picture. So you take a picture of yourself, you know, if you're a dude, you got your shirt off, belly hanging over, you know, and you get that in the mirror, and then uh, you're not going to post anything, of course, unless it works. But if you get further down the road, and the belly isn't as much there, and you got some muscle and tone, you know, you put yourself on there. Uh, a lot of women will do this, and they'll, you know, wear stuff, and um, they take the picture... Like, part of that's okay. Part of, that, part of that's okay. I mean, I, I get you're just trying to show off your new body, and it's inspirational. It is inspirational to some of us. Uh, but there's a difference between the person who's like, hey, listen, I'm, I am learning to glorify the Lord with my body, and the other person who just wants to glorify themselves by their body, right? And you can kind of tell the difference, all right? Duck lips, big giveaway. The person looking at the, at the camera going, you know, like, <laughs> like, come on, what are, we do, what are we doing here? I mean, this is about the Lord. I don't think it's about the Lord anymore. I think, you know... How much do you pay for that outfit you're wearing there, by the way? I just want to, you know, like, so this is a, there's a balance there. Um, so nothing wrong with having, celebrating a little bit, but let's just keep it, you know, not flesh-oriented in that regard. Uh, but here's really important. If you really want to succeed in setting goals, then embrace 
what God has given to us. Embrace friendship and accountability. That will really help you in this. Um, I just did a wedding recently for um, the Habak family, so Jonathan and Chandra. And while I was uh, walking with them through this, uh, they had shared with me this African proverb they heard. It's a great proverb. So this African proverb says this. If you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run together. And I love that because it reminds me of exactly what's in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Like, it is better to have a friend. Like, if you have a friend with you in life, you will prosper. One of you falls down, you pick the other one up. But here's the problem. Pity the person who falls down has nobody to pick them up. So God has designed it that we run together. That's the best way to do this. So we need accountability. So involve somebody in your life to walk with you through this, through this journey you're taking. So if you're setting some goals in life, here's a couple things I would say. If you're setting the new year, first of all, take small bites. Take small bites. Don't sit there and go, all right, listen, uh, I'm going to read the whole Bible uh, by the end of June. Like, okay, that's great. Go for it. Um, that's a big chunk. I'm going to lose 50 pounds by March. Ah, mm, I like, I don't, let's set some goals that maybe we can actually get to because they're, they're gonna, you're gonna struggle with some of those. So set real goals that you can handle. Now, some of the things like this, we, the church offers some help. We're gonna start small groups here soon and small groups, there will be small groups that probably touch on lifestyle areas that you're trying to address and we'll do it from a biblical perspective. And so like you wanna handle your finances, we offer Financial Peace University. You wanna work on your marriage, we'll offer marriage classes, you know, stuff like that. So it'll tie in to your walk with God. So part of it is we already offer the stuff here. You can just jump into that and it will help you. Here's another thing. If you're gonna be setting goals, set also spiritual goals because this is spiritual in nature, remember? So do this, let's set some Bible reading goals. Right? It's, and that one for me is not so hard. So uh, before the service today, Max, back in the sound booth, hey, Max. Uh, so Max had said to me, you know, like, you ought to talk to people about a Bible reading plan. All Bible reading plans start January 1. This is a perfect time to download a Bible reading app on your phone right now uh, and, to, and to pick this up and to try, read the whole Bible in the course of the year. Or if you want to set a prayer goal or a service goal or something like that, just setting goals to make sure I keep spiritual focus on this. Um, and then, you know, you, we can talk about all the other stuff that you want to set as goals as well. Okay, here's something else to remember. Uh, while you're setting resolutions, you're setting goals, uh, you actually can't set them for other people. That's, that's another thing, because that, that's the danger of, of your spouse, right? As that they, they already know the ways you need to work on things, and so they say things like, you know, as a resolution, you might want to try to do this, you know? You're like, oh, thanks, baby. Um, that's, that's not helpful. Um, you you got to do this on your own. And I have found this too. So I have found, though, we're talking about the Spirit, we're talking about the Lord. Like, you, though you're fighting between the two, um, if you get too off track sinfully, uh, I have found this, that God, even though he lets you walk a, a long ways down that road, that occasionally at some point, God will, if you're like my walk with the Lord, he'll just jerk you back to him. Like, you're like, you're not even choosing it, he'll just jerk you back. And here's, here's how this works out for me. So I have this little dog that I love. Her name's Chloe. Now, I, I never wanted Chloe. I didn't want to love Chloe. Uh, my wife and daughter made me love her. And so um, I was forced into it. Actually, it's, it's really, I have a disproportionate love for this little dog. I have to be honest with you. It's, it's not right. It's probably unhealthy. Um, I mean, I, you know, it occurred to me as I was playing drums this morning, I have these socks. Uh, they're Chloe socks. They're like, they're, she's on them and they have her name on them. Like, I'm not well. Um, <laughs> So my first accountability is probably something that error. But, um, but here's the thing about my dog. My dog is supremely foolish. And uh, we'll walk out. She just goes her own way. And so that's why we keep her on a leash. And now she starts pulling one way. I can pull her back. You know, she's got a leash, right? And you're probably thinking, nine-pound dog. You probably you know, pull her wherever you want. 
she's an incredibly strong nine-pound dog. <laughs> she, she will pull. And if she starts pulling too much and she's just out of control, I'll just pick her up. You know, and I have found in my walk with God, God does that for, that's a mercy he shows me. There are times he pulls on the, and I know, like, Jeff, you're getting off track, you're getting off track. He's pulling, he's pulling, he's pulling, he's finally like, all right, I'm just going to pick you up. And so he, he just shoves me in a direction I had never intended to go. That's a mercy of the Lord that I think he extends to us in the middle of this. And so here's what I would say. When you make resolutions, you bring them before the Lord. God, if you don't help me in this, if you don't keep me on track, I will wander. But can I just ask this, Lord, as I'm setting these goals, will you pull me back on track? And I want these to be God-honoring, Christ-centered, spirit-filled goals. Now, and there's nothing wrong with saying, well, is physical fitness real? Yes, physical fitness can be that. You're taking care of the temple of God, right? So, I mean, there's ways that we can think about this that are supremely spiritual in nature. Now, let's talk about this before we finish today. Let's talk about the problem of January 2nd. <sighs> Today's January 1, you got all out of your system last night, you ate, you drank, you've been doing it for two, three weeks now, all right? And you said to yourself, January 1, we're starting this thing. And you got up and maybe you had a healthy breakfast, maybe you went for a little walk, you know, and you're like, today, focused all day. In fact, this is my resolution. I'm gonna, you know, and you set this goal and then you wake up tomorrow. And tomorrow you gotta get to work and the kids are going nuts and all this stuff is going on and you're like, I don't have time, I'll get to it January 3rd. And then you're at 2024. That's, that's just how we're like, how do we get, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't, where did you come from? You know, like, so like, I get it. I get it. So as, as you're thinking about this, give yourself the grace that God gives you. If I go off the rails, God in his grace will allow me to come back to him. I can repent. I can turn my direction right back to him. He doesn't say it's been too long. You've been gone a week. You've been gone. Like, he doesn't do that. He's just like, let's just pick up from now. Let's just pick up from now. And so if you find you get off track on your goals, just restart. No big deal. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. You just start fresh again. Um, I was listening to this song this last week. So I'm a, I'm a music guy. I listen to music all day long, every day. Uh, my wife is not wired like me. She's very different. But uh, I, I'm always listening to music. And uh, I'm not always paying attention to it. But this last week, probably because I was uh, getting this message ready, I was listening to the song by Andy Minio, And the name of the song was Been About It. That's the name of it, Been About It. And there's a line in the song that I've never heard before, even though I've heard the song a bunch. Uh, it just struck me as I was preparing this message. And when I was preparing, I heard it. And I was like, what did I just hear? And I rewound it and played it again. Uh, and this is, this is what it says. It says, because I worked hard, I got everything I prayed for. Because I worked hard, I got everything I prayed for. And so I sat there and I thought, about it. I stopped the music after that. And I was like, that's either heresy or brilliant. It, it is one of the two. And actually, it depends on your theology. If it's the idea that I'm contributing in some way to salvation or God's work, like that's, that's heresy. But if it is this, that I am going to submit myself fully to the Lord and I will make the choice to put some things aside and to go this other direction. Like, then it can actually be very biblical. So hopefully with good theology, uh, pray hard and work hard and we'll let the spirit guide us in that. Let me pray for us. Oh, Lord. Um, this journey with you, it is it's hard, Lord. You've called us to so much. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we don't have a performance bar that we have to hit before we're right with you. If we have given our lives to Christ, if we put our faith in Jesus, we are good forever. But there can be some ways in our life that we can make choices that conform themselves more to your reflected character and glory. And Lord, you haven't called us to do that all in our own strength. You've given us the person of your Holy Spirit who indwells us, strengthening us, empowering us to be who you've called us to be. So Lord, may it be that if any here are setting forth some new goals for this year, that they would make these Jesus-oriented, uh, spirit-filled, God-honoring goals 
to your glory and not to ours. And we thank you in your holy name. Amen.